Hey everyone, welcome to the Scoops and the Scoops and the Scoops. Hold on, let me uh, let me uh, let me toss over to my my co-host. His name's Coffee. Alex is having internet problems. He's out on the West Coast because he's about to drive down to Los Angeles with Mr. Jeff Gersman tomorrow, I believe. Uh, and uh, so he's staying at his parents' place. And hey, guess what? The internet at Alex's parents' place isn't that great. So for whatever reason, he wasn't able to connect. And so I thought, hey, I could just cancel the show. Or I could do a short one. Just kind of run down some pre-E3 stuff with y'all. Answer some questions about next week. Because it is E3 2014 in just a few days. Uh, so let's just have a show. We're just going to ride this out. So if you got questions about E3, you things you want to throw at me, Obviously, we're probably not going to go for a full hour, but we'll just ride this out until it doesn't make any sense anymore. Uh, but if you have any questions, drop them in the chat. Hit me on Twitter, whatever. I'll take a look. I'll address them. Talk about some of the games I played. Mostly, I just want to talk about Transistor. I finished it last night. And oh, oh, by the way, there's a new chat. So the chat looks weird. Then that's normal. Because the chat's supposed to look weird because they redesigned the chat UI and they're deploying it this morning for the first time as part of the morning show. So it might even change before you see it this afternoon with Unprofessional Fridays. It might break halfway between the beginning of the show and the end of the show, which would be appropriate, I think, actually. So, uh, in any case, so I finished Transistor last night. I. I managed to put that game to bed. My hope was to finish the Wolfenstein The New Order and Transistor before heading to E3. Even though that means I haven't touched Watch Dogs yet, at least like, I'm, I don't, I'm not falling radically behind. I haven't finished Among the Sleep or Daylight yet, but both those are pretty short, so I can probably bang out both those just to send them back from E3. Then I can decide whether I actually want to play Watch Dogs because by the time we're back from E3, I might just want to move on to Shovel Knight or what else is uh, happening in the world of video games in June. But I got to admit, I I enjoyed Transistor, but I, I think I was a, a, a tad bit disappointed with it. I, I don't know if it's because of the disjointed way in which I played the game, which is to say that the PC version had all sorts of technical issues uh, when it launched, uh, including... Uh, it would uh, crash to a black screen. It would stutter every couple of seconds. These were known issues across a number of hardware configurations that uh, also affected mine. I played about an hour of that game before putting it down and then coming back to it a week and a half later when a few patches had been uh, applied and uh, then uh, trying to, to play through the rest of it once I'd finished Wolfenstein. And I really enjoy the combat in Transistor. It has an incredible flow to it. Uh, the idea that you are moving in and out of uh, a, a real-time and turn-based combat, like the, the pseudo-turn-based approach that they've taken to an action game, is incredibly fun. And I was excited every single time that combat was initiated. And even though the interface for sort of outfitting your character is a little confusing, once I sort of figured out exactly what kind of character I wanted to play. Uh, I started enjoying the game more and more, especially when you start interacting with the backdoor sections, when you find, you know, secret passages that go to essentially these various trials 
uh, that you have to go through. One is like survive until the time runs down. Another is eliminate all the enemies on a certain amount of time. And then another one is uh, defeat all the enemies on the screen with a single shot. And although those are trials that kind of extend your skill set to a degree that is not necessary to beat the game, I find them I found them incredibly rewarding because they forced me to use powers in unique and different ways that I wouldn't have used in any other situation because uh, Transistor is like a lot of video games in which giving you a lot of options means that sometimes you end up falling into the trap of using just the options that you've become uh, accustomed to. So using these sort of backdoor trials, although I kind of ditched them about halfway through the game because I just wanted to, to see it through, I did enjoy them because they they really did force me as a player to confront a bunch of options that I was like, ah, I don't really want to use these. I'm I'm defeating enemies just fine with what I've got. And then I'd realize, oh, wait, actually, like this, this item set or this feature set would actually be super useful uh, for... Uh, these uh, types of enemies and then you know as someone in the chat points out that section also unlocks music and and things like that but I guess I, I had I couldn't get into the story at all I, I love the art I love the music I love the way it plays the story just fell completely flat for me I understood the general arc and I, I thought the final moment in the game without you know saying exactly what that beat is uh, was emotionally resonant but I can't tell if it was the presentation, if it was just me, if it was because I played the game slightly disjointed and where I started the first hour and then played the last five uh, at a different time, but it just didn't really click for me. Uh, it's, I, and I'm curious, you know, if you guys want to weigh in, let me know, you know, was the obfuscation, do, do you feel like that's the fault of me? Like I just didn't quite grasp what was going on. Like I get what happened. I know the story. But it just, I don't, it did really, didn't really pull me in in the way that, that I wanted to, which is, you know, the opposite of Bastion, in which that was a game where I was gripped from beginning to end and then wanted to see the alternative path uh, that's presented at the end of the game uh, with New Game Plus. I never actually ended up playing all the way through New Game Plus, but the fact that I played a little bit in is far more uh, than uh, can be said about uh, most games. And... Yeah, I guess it just disappoints me because of how much I liked Bastion and how much, because I had not looked at Transistor at all, I had purposely avoided any contact with the game because I knew I was going to play the new game from Supergiant. So why play it at PAX and E3 and, and things like that? So I didn't. And so sitting down with it, there was sort of a, a bit of a tangible disappointment, specifically with the story because it just sort of went, it just kind of came and went and it, I do think part of it was the presentation uh, in, in that having you to read all of these text files that are hidden throughout these uh, little uh, computer stations. Uh, it, it feels like Transistor was a conscious effort to be dip So very, it's very similar to Bastion in a lot of ways, but uh, it's very different than Bastion in terms of presentation. So there's a narrator in Bastion that is laying out every single little thing that happens, right? And there's a narrator, so to speak, in uh, Transistor with the, you know, the character in the sword who is talking to Red. And, but he's not telling you explicitly what's happening one, two, three, four, five. You're 
kind of piecing that together, and Transistor Sword, the character, is just a character in the story, as opposed to a narrator who is explicitly there to tell you what is happening. Um, and I found that very difficult to follow, you know, to the point where I finished the game, pulled up Wikipedia, and was like, did I miss something? Was there, or was, was all everything there that I th- seemed to have figured out on my own? And I had figured out the main beats of the story. I guess I just thought there'd be a little bit more there. Now, obviously, there are additional biographies and additional world-building details that are found in the profiles, which you unlock further as a result of equipping the different items in uh, in different configurations. But I don't know. It was That part was kind of frustrating because it's like, oh, I like what I've got right now. Or, well, I got hurt in that last battle, which means I can't use that item, which means I don't have an option to use that as a passive uh, equip in order to unlock the next part of their biography. So in any case... Uh, I did really enjoy Transistor. I guess my expectations were just so high for it that I was a little disappointed that uh, it didn't live up to them, which you know is a testament to Supergiant given that I have those sorts of expectations for them. In any case, I played that and then I finished Wolfenstein, but I wrote about Wolfenstein earlier in the week for an article on the site, so if you want more thoughts on that surprising game, I, what I would say is that if in the month of May, you looked at Transistor, Watchdogs, and Wolfenstein The New Order and said, oh, the game I'm not going to play is Wolfenstein, I think you made 100% the wrong decision. Going in the chat says, thought the final boss in Transistor uh, was pretty interesting, at least. Yes. Without saying why, the final boss in Transistor is amazingly cool. I don't think it quite works. It's kind of, I don't know if I call it glitchy. It just didn't quite all come together. But conceptually, I adored what they tried to do at the end. Uh, Let's check out some of these replies. Oh, wow. I'm checking out this chat. Oh, look, double chat. I got replies on the bottom. I got the chat going on the top. Weird. Oh, my 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 replies disappeared. No, went there, there. They're back. They're back. Oh, Goni asked me a real, a real cut to the, to the gut, a real punch to the gut. Goni, will we see Phantom Dust two eighty three? Probably not. Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, who as sort of accidentally revealed on yesterday on Twitter, will be a part of our live show on Tuesday night, assuming something doesn't go horribly wrong. Uh, has been teasing little things about Phantom Dust. If you aren't aware of Phantom Dust, it was kind of a action card hybrid game that uh, came out years and years and years and years and years ago on the original Xbox. And Phil Spencer has been doing a little bit of teasing about a potential something or other. I would take just an HD Phantom Dust on Xbox Live Arcade. That would just be fine with me. I Phantom Dust 2 would be cool, but I also feel like they would find a way to taint that with free-to-play nonsense so you just want to make phantom dust upres it you know make me pay 15 bucks i'm completely in i feel like a sneeze coming on but it won't come out um let's see what else we got going on new chat new chat new chat i'm not sure i'm 
it's all new for me too. Um, Mango Pup says, "How about that Dark Souls Two DLC with the skeleton of Seath the Scaleless Tease? I don't. Is that a dragon? I'm gonna assume that's a dragon. I don't know how I feel about the Dark Souls Two DLC yet. I assume we might see that at E3. Um, and for people joining right now, no, we there is no Alex Navarro. He had internet problems, so I'm flying solo." Rather than canceling the show, answering E3 questions, talking about the upcoming show. So if you have anything that you'd like to talk about, make sure and let me know in the replies. And also there's a new chat. So and all this stuff makes total sense to the people who are listening to the podcast version. Um, what was I saying? Something about... Oh, yeah, Dark Souls 2 DLC. I'm, I'll be curious uh, if that's at E3. Although I, I got to admit, uh, the idea of like chunking up Three pits of pieces of Dark Souls TDLC is is not that interesting to me. I unless there are rave rave reviews for that first piece of DLC, or it's enormous. I will probably wait until all three pieces of DLC are out, and then just play them all together as part of a, a run on the PC version. Especially considering that I intend to play the Demon Souls this summer I, I would definitely it'd be amazing to play dark souls dark souls 2 and uh, demon souls uh, all in the same year to get sort of a a relatively close comparative analysis of those three games especially with project beast most likely getting announced at e3 that has been brought up by a number of folks uh, in the chat uh, i expect project beast to be there i don't have any inside information about whether that is the case or not but given the tremendous amount of leaks that have occurred about that game so far it would shock me if that game was not at Sony's press conference um, on Tuesday, uh, it, it's or Monday rather. Uh, it's I guess possible that they would save that for Tokyo Game Show, but in light of the leaks, I think it would look pretty crappy. They disappoint a lot of people if they didn't show that game in some form. Um, I really hope that the tra- the proper trailer is a little bit more than what we've seen so far. It'd be nice to see more than that in you know 720 or 1080p, but I'll take that too. I just want to know more about it. I want to know, is that like spring 2015? Is that fall 2015? My guess is it is fall 2015. Uh, It would make sense that you have the Dark Souls 2 DLC to carry through 2014, uh, and then you start the ramp up for Project Beast. Now, obviously, these are different games. They're not published by the same company, but you know, in terms of the Souls series, uh, that's that's that would make sense for how you would ride that, um, which makes 2015 pretty exciting. But you know, if I've got to admit to something that uh, seems to be the trend in 2014, that is coming to a head at E3 because it's a time when people make a lot of announcements. It's that 2014 is quickly becoming a year in which we mostly look towards 2015. There are some great games that have already come out this year. There are going to be more great games that come out this year as well. I don't, not suggesting that 2014 is a loss in any sense of the word, but hard to not think about the narrative with these uh, current gen, previously next gen consoles in which we waited through an extraordinarily long generation where I had gotten the sense from developers I talked to that the long gestation period plus the fact that these boxes would be a lot closer to one another and mostly PC-based, would mean this generation would get off to a faster start. And whether it's purely third parties waiting for hardware sales to increase or 
having to come to grips with current-gen hardware or uh, just not anticipating the amount of work that would have to go into these games, it feels increasingly like a lot of the games that, you know, you suffer through a launch period, and we all know how those are, and we actually got a couple of decent games this time around on across all consoles, but 2014 does not seem like the year for these machines to come into their own, and it seems like that's probably going to be 2015, so... I find that to be a, a little bit disappointing. You know, games like The Order, uh, games like Batman, Arkham Knight, all moving to 2015. Those are probably going to be terrific games. Well, I don't know about The Order. The Order just, it looks okay. Um, but got, got to admit that I'm, I'm definitely one of those folks that, you look at all these delays, and I'm, like, I'm glad they're making the delays. I don't, I'd rather have a good game than a bad game. But, you know, having invested, you know, $1,000 in hardware last fall, it's kind of just looking at it going, ah, ah. Let's see. The Pilgrims asks, what are your hopes, expectations out of Nintendo at E3? <sighs> Good question. You know, obviously, it's it been, I was unfortunate to hear uh, yesterday that Satoru Iwata uh, is not going to make it to E3 because of health-related issues. Uh, if you missed the news, his physician advised him to not do overseas travel at the moment. We don't have any information about what that more broadly means, if that is any reason for concern. Nintendo uh, gave no explicit reason for concern uh, in regards to uh, Mr. Owada's health, but uh, nonetheless, it's a, it's a worrying sign. Um, you know, It's not something you like to hear about, although we are certainly advancing in the industry to the age where, you know, Things do happen, uh, but nonetheless, uh, in terms of what we expect from Nintendo, man, I mean, Owada and Onuma have been teasing Majora's Mask for a long time. They have, sorry, I got a, a text message, and, you know, teasing it like this is a game that they have a lot of fond remembrance for, that they... Uh, hold in, in high regard, you know, obviously it was on Numa's first, you know, project that he had to to man from start to finish after uh, a great enough time, and obviously it's a game that I deeply, deeply care about, because screw Jeff Gersman, he gave it a high score, he's trying to change past, trying to change the past, which is very ironic, given Majora's Mask, but in A Link Between Worlds, there are references to Majora's Mask, and it just seems like those are becoming more and more explicit. I think what's pretty likely is that there is a Majora's Mask uh, Ocarina of Time 3D style update for the 3DS, and then we'll also get a teaser for um, a Zelda on Wii U. It You have to imagine that Nintendo... But I feel like we say this every year, that oh, this is the year they're going to come out with all the big guns. This is the year you get a new Zelda and a new Metroid, and we get our hopes up, I think specifically around Nintendo, because they have these cyclical franchises um, that they return to all the time, and then sometimes don't return to, you know, somewhat frustratingly. And, th you know, I think we kind of get ourselves in a tizzy about that. So I do expect that we will see a new Zelda game. I expect Majora's Mask 
will not get a proper sequel. But then again, I was talking with this uh, uh, with Casey Malone on on Twitter, and here's how. Let me pull up how he put it. Uh, pull up my computer. He said, "Yeah, imagine this: <clears throat> Majora's Mask." <clears throat> <clears throat> Majora's Mask HD with all that day cycle stuff ripped out coming to your Wii U this holiday season. And I, that, that sounds way too plausible. That sounds way too plausible. That sounds way too plausible. Oh, I see how the tabs on the chat work now. Uh, Baka Shinji, 17. The Evil Within, any thoughts? Ah, hmm. So they delayed it from August to October, which I think makes a lot of sense. You know, it's obviously just polished uh, sort of final pass on that game. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in it. I'm cautiously optimistic. The last trailer was excellent. I believe it was the one that came out of uh, PAX East. Uh, it enough that even my wife was like, what's the, what's that game? I was like, oh, it's this game called The Evil Within. It's from a guy who's made a, a lot of great you know, horror action games in the past. I, I want to watch you play that game. So, you know, it's, it seems like that game has turned a certain corner, at least in terms of uh, promotion, which uh, Zenimax is, is pretty good at uh, for kind of getting you excited about a game that they've done a poor job getting you excited about uh, in the past. Um, I, I don't even know, even know if I'll play it at E3 uh, this year. I, Given that it comes out this year, given that it's a horror game, I'm not sure I really want to have it you know, sort of spoiled for me. I'm not sure I want to uh, actually know much about that game. I, I guess the exception to what I'm saying is if suddenly I'm given the option, like last year, out of nowhere, to interview Shinji Mikami, then, okay, I'll go sit down at that kiosk, I'll play that game, so I can have a more informed conversation with uh, Mikami, but I, I don't think that's going to happen this year, so I will probably just sort of like, sort of avoid the evil within, because if that game's going to be special, then... I want to enjoy it in the most uh, special way possible, which is to just you know not not touch it at all. Uh, I was uh, I gotta say I was shocked this morning to wake up, look at the site, and see nearly 200 comments on the Witcher 3 trailer. There was a uh, mini press conference from uh, CD Projekt yesterday in which they announced a release date. I think February 24th uh, for the Witcher 3. Uh, they showed a new trailer. They uh, announced like all the goodies that are going into the various versions of the game. Uh, they announced uh, something called like uh, Gog Galaxy, like it's a DRM-free competitor to Steam in which you can download a client, but everything's optional. Like you know, it'll download patches and things like that, and you can have friends list. You can communicate with other people, but it's still DRM-free, and the client is completely optional, which I think is is smart and interesting. But holy goddamn, that Witcher Three trailer, incredible! I highly recommend you check it out if you have not had a chance to, to take a look at it. You know, Witcher 3 is among those games that was supposed to come out in 2014 and then much earlier than everyone else said, hey, we're we're going to go to 2015. And, you know, they've stamped down a date, so we got something to look forward to. You watch that trailer, oh, it looks like, you know, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but it seems like they might be getting closer to the ideal sort of Elder Scrolls kind of Bethesda game that we've always wanted, uh, you know, where Bethesda does such a fantastic job of creating worlds, but their combat systems leave a lot to be desired, whereas, you know, the Witcher games, while giving you 
paths are a much more linear affair, but has terrific combat that has a real uh, level of strategy uh, to it. And you know, the big jump that CD Projekt Red is trying to make with The Witcher 3 is into an open world. Now, what exactly that means? You know, I they talk a big game, but you know, given how many years, decades that Bethesda Game Studios has spent honing that craft of creating a big open world, you know, I kind of I want to get in there myself uh, to really know, you know, what they're trying to do. You know, fortunately, uh, we are uh, going to have a chance to see the game at E3. I know that we have booked an appointment and may or may not have some Witcher 3 uh, developers joining us on uh, the E3 live show one night. I feel like all my I'm letting all my cats out of the bag early, but uh, I've mostly finished the the scheduling for the E3 live show. It's got a couple couple moving pieces that I still need to figure out, but by and large, I have figured out uh, what's happening on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, but already there are some surprises <coughs> being lined up. But I'm really excited about what we have so far. If it stayed exactly where it was, I would be uh, I'd be stoked about that. Uh, and you know, the only reason you know I don't really announce folks ahead of time is because you know sometimes things change sometimes people don't make it so i don't want to make promises i can't keep because e3 is wild and weird and as someone quoted me in the chat from saying you know things can happen things can happen pearl spandex asks is cliff blazinski coming back he is not he is not attending e3 this year uh, he expressed an interest in coming if he was, uh, but he will not be making it. Um, some people talking about this Mario Maker. So there's a uh, let's let's see if there's anything different than what was going around last night. So there was a supposed screen or photograph from the E3 show floor that showed a game called Mario Maker. Uh, the source is a website called Nintendo Enthusiast, uh, which uh, claims to have spy shots from within the uh, E3 complex uh, where game uh, kiosks are being set up. And, you know, Mario Maker, if you take the name at face value, would imply a game in which you can make your own Mario games. The, uh, the photograph, which is grainy, but uh, shows, you know, just enough uh, that you could sort of make it out what the concept would be, you know, assuming this is real, you know, shows a stylus sort of dragging uh, objects on onto the screen, uh, various you know Mario sprites, and the idea that Nintendo would put out something called Mario Maker would be fantastic. Whether or not this actually ends up being a real project, you know, we'll you know we'll know in a couple of days. But even if it isn't, that sort of weirdness and embracing something that Nintendo's community has been doing for decades makes a lot of sense and actually you know if they're gonna you know not only talk the talk but walk the walk when it comes to this damn wii u gamepad that's that's why you have a stylus and a screen like what if you could be building a stage on the gamepad while someone else is playing the stage in real time what if it's not even that you spend time in an editor and you build a level and then it's like now play it it's like what if alongside people playing a stage you're just dropping elements onto the stage in real time and you know those people are trying to avoid it but there are a lot of really amazing possibilities specifically for the mario franchise that i'd love to see 
uh, Nintendo Explorer. You know, my guess would be, you know, again, assuming this is all real, it, you know, this would be strictly the 2D games. There's a lot more elements that happen with a 3D game, but gosh, I just, just imagine what they could do if they applied, you know, like little big planet style creation tools to a Mario game. Just, ah. See, Mario Maker is going to be one of those things that we get all in a tizzy about over a fake photograph and then get retro, you know, get upset at Nintendo for not announcing a thing that was never in development in the first place because we want them to fulfill that fantasy for us. Uh, so I hope, I would love if Mario Maker is a real thing. I would love for it to be as cool as I have in my head, uh, but, you know, that's probably not going to be the case. See what else we got going on in the replies. Uh, Space Council asks, Life, Lifeless Planet is out today. Are you excited? I don't know. Lifeless Planet. I'm not sure what that is. I'll have to I'll check that out, though, if that's supposed to be interesting. Uh, let's close this chat. See what else we got going on in the replies. Hammond of Texas asks, When are you actually leaving for San Francisco, L.A. yourself? So, unfortunately... Fortunately, it, depending how you look at it, uh, I am flying out later today to Baltimore because my cousin is getting married on Saturday. So I have to go to the East Coast, lose my weekend, and then fly from Baltimore early on Sunday morning to Los Angeles. So I go from like a four-hour flight comfortably on a Sunday where I get to enjoy my weekend, sleep in, just get prepared for the week. Instead, I have to fly out late on Friday, drive an hour to a wedding venue, go to a wedding, have too much to drink with my family, get up early, get on a six, six and a half hour flight to get to Los Angeles, and then do the whole week. But I'm happy for my cousin, but curse you, you monster, for having your wedding on possibly the worst weekend for me professionally. Uh, show to drag fallout 4 yay or nay my guess is no i think bethesda at this point is capable of specifically bethesda game studios if they are going to announce a new game they can suck up all the attention in the room on their own they don't need e3 i would be genuinely shocked if there was anything about uh, Fallout 4 at uh, E3. I have heard, you know, various rumors about Fallout 4. I am confident that Bethesda is making a Fallout game uh, as a follow-up to Skyrim. But when we hear about it, you know, I have I have no idea. Uh, and I strongly suspect that Bethesda will reveal that game all on their own with their own event, and they don't need to participate in E3 uh, in order to, to make that happen. Uh, I guess the most we could hope for is a mild teaser trailer at something like the Microsoft uh, press conference uh, because uh, Fallout as a series was kind of aligned with the Xbox uh, in the way that Call of Duty was. The DLC premiered uh, first on Xbox, so maybe it's possible that Microsoft might be able to cajole them into uh, doing something. But, you know, my, my prediction is that Fallout 4 doesn't show up. But if there's any game that I'd like to be wrong about. If there's any game that I would like to show up at E3 
that I'm predicting won't show up at E3, it is Fallout 4. That game will immediately go whoop right to the top of my list of games I want to play. Hell, it's not announced yet, and it's at the top of the list of games I want to play because I know it's coming out, and I'm just so excited for it. And I hope the combat's not shitty. NYC in New York. He most likely does not know what E3 is. I I know that my cousin doesn't know what E3 is. Come on, son. Ba, 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 ba. Chris Turan. Excited for Danganronpa 2. I am. I don't know if I wanted to play two of those in a single year, but... Hmm. Fetter Dave, do you think we will ever get a Beyond Good and Evil 2? Yes. Will we see it at E3? I don't know. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually saw a teaser at E3, just sort of like theoretically speaking, because uh, Rayman Legends was, you know, they spent more time working on it as a result of the delay from fall to early uh, the year after. But uh, my guess is they would have had time to spin up a small team to work on whatever Michelle Ancel is working on next. I would happily play another one of his Rayman games, but I would love to see him work on something else. Even if it's not Beyond Good and Evil 2, that's fine. That ship has sort of sailed for me uh, in the way The Last Guardian has, although I still think The Last Guardian will come out more confidently than I am about Beyond Good and Evil 2. Azzy style. About to jump out of flight. 1001 Spikes or Spelunky. The little I've played with 1001 Spikes seems like that game is fantastic. Putting that against Spelunky, I gotta put a lot more time in 1001 Spikes. <laughs> Bane Fire Lord, so Dead Rising 3 got confirmed for a PC release. What with that and the news that Forza Horizon 2 coming out cross-gen, what do you think of this lack of exclusivity commitment to the Xbox One, say about Microsoft's future plans regarding gaming? Uh, yeah, Forza Horizon 2 is certainly curious coming out on both platforms. Uh, it's a little surprising that a first-party developer would, or first-party publisher would ask of their developers uh to split across two generations. Now, granted, um, the team in the UK, Playground, is not making the 360 version of Forza Horizon 2. Uh, we don't have a good sense, nor would they be honest with us in interviews, about if they had to restrict their vision technically or feature-wise uh, in order to compensate for their uh, being a 360 version. You know, The way you'd like to think about it is that they made whatever game they wanted to make on Xbox One, and Sumo Digital, who I believe is handling the Xbox 360 version, just has to figure out how that works on 360. Uh, what's more likely is that it's a mixture of both. You know, they are going to you know use the Xbox One capabilities, but created a game in a scope that is still capable uh, on on Xbox 360. It's a it's a little disappointing. You know, I don't care about Forza Horizon one way or the other. It'll probably be pretty, and that's about all that'll interest me about it. Um, but third parties don't have any reason to go exclusive yet. What's what's the point? Like They have nothing to prove about that hardware. Third parties are there to support the hardware. They're not there to sell the hardware. That's what first party development for. That's what first parties are for, more generally speaking. So it's a little odd that Microsoft would do that because that gives less encouragement for third parties to take the plunge. You know, you know Arkham Knight is going to be one of the big first third party games that uh, makes that leap, you know, and specifically that's a game that has been on, you know, previous platforms, and you look at the game, and it's like, ah, maybe they could have made it work, but instead they decided to go whole hog in uh, to, you know, the current gen of platforms, and 
that's encouraging because hopefully that allows them to not compromise um, their ambitions um, in, in the pursuit of sales. Because that makes total sense from a third-party perspective. Uh, and it's interesting to see what Ubisoft is doing, right? So with Assassin's Creed, we're going to see two Assassin's Creed games uh, at E3 this year. One for current-gen machines and then one for previous-gen machines. Now, Ubisoft is a unique beast. They are big enough that they can just say, eh, we'll just make two games. So rather than compromising the vision of the current-gen game, we'll just go ahead and make another one for those existing platforms. Uh, definitely interested to see how tied together those are, how much of the plot is tied up in the previous-gen game. Is that something where, well, the new one looks so nice, but I'll, maybe I'll download the PC version. Like I can't imagine playing two Assassin's Creed games this year. I enjoyed four, but not enough to want to play two of them this year. But I guess we'll we'll find out, you know, one way or the other, uh, pretty soon. Uh, Ritz Keeg Rap asks, "Any Nintendo dudes on the live show? Maybe get a few beers in Charles Marinette. See what happens. Unfortunately, not. I put in a request uh, to see if." Uh, Anyone like a Bill Trinan uh, might want to join us, but uh, not really Nintendo's thing. Uh, we do have some Nintendo meetings lined up at the show, but uh, nothing that will translate to the live show. I ask every year, and then every year I hear, yeah, we should do more stuff like that, and then and then nothing changes the year after. So uh, a little unfortunate. We'd love uh, to have them sometime, but uh, not, not going to happen in 2014. Uh, Joshua Kant says, E3 After Hours live streams. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, question mark. Any special guests lined up? Uh, so actually, there will be streams Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Four days, starting at 7 o'clock, going till roughly 11 o'clock. Um, that stuff may shift. You know, It may start a little later. It may go a little later, but that's roughly what we're, we're shooting for. And yeah, tons of special guests. Let me, I, mean, I guess I could count how many people I've booked. Let's see. <laughs> Uh, E3 live show document. I have booked, say, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 20, or 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 49. Currently, 51 guests are confirmed across uh, the next uh, the four days of our live shows. Um, that will probably expand closer to 60 uh, by the end of it, but we have 51 confirmed guests uh, for various times uh, throughout uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, and yes, as uh, Arcadia uh, Exeter asks, 7 to 11 Pacific. Uh, yes, uh, 7 to 11 uh, Pacific uh, Standard Time. Uh, that's a lot of folks. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Um, if any said he can hold up to seven mics per segment, so I I booked a lot of people. Um, let's see. Uh, well, uh, one or two more questions uh, before wrapping this up. It's actually gone longer and better than I expected. So thanks everyone for for tuning in. Uh, the Last Guardian. A lot of folks kind of asking that as I look throughout the chat and I expect that to be there I expect that to be at E3 um, mostly because 
every indication Sony has given is that that game still exists. They intend to put it out. So, you know, I think it's not a crazy prediction to say The Last Guardian would show up at, at E3. It's, I think what's pretty likely with <coughs> Project Beast and The Last Guardian is that they both show up in trailer form at E3 and then are playable at Tokyo Game Show uh, this fall which really makes me want to go uh, to uh, Tokyo Game Show this fall. Uh, NYC New York asks, anyone on Giant Bomb going to the Nintendo Roundtables? Uh, I RSVP'd to both of them, but they fall within the time of our live shows, and I'm handling all the guests, so I'm usually the one that has gone to that stuff in the past because I, I just really like Nintendo's stuff. So if I don't go, it seems pretty likely no one will go to those, but we do have other Nintendo meetings that I think people will be excited about um, that uh, you know will we'll be, we'll be separate than those roundtable things. And there'll be a lot of other media there, so we'll still be able to talk about what happens there. Uh, Des Troy, well, Daniel Dwyer, unofficial Giant Bomb staff, be on one of the live streams. Uh, Danny was, wants to come on sometime during the week. His schedule is packed. Uh, so we'll figure out a time to drop Danny in at some point, uh, but I uh, can't. So I guess, yeah, make that 52. So I haven't penciled him in for a time, which is why he isn't on that list. But uh, my guess is Danny will uh, swing by. Uh, da, da, da. I'm not going to I'm not gonna talk any more about the guest list, partially because I don't want to jinx it, partially because uh, I, want to, uh, I want you guys to be excited. Uh, obviously, Phil Spencer has been revealed, but there's another one that I'm super excited about that uh, I, I, I did a couple of reaching for the stars with Book and Folks, and Phil Spencer was one, and we got another one. Uh, this is not Shuhei Yoshida. I'll go ahead and just... It's known at Nintendo, and it's not Shuhei Yoshida, but I'm very excited about someone else we, we lined up for the show that I think you guys will be stoked about. Uh, Brad Harity asked, new Resident Evil at E3? That's something that I wouldn't be surprised to see at say, you know, the Microsoft press conference. I think Microsoft, uh, they've been dropping hints about uh, having a major third-party exclusive. I don't think that would be Resident Evil, uh, but they have in the past uh, gone out of their way to line up premieres for Japanese games at their press conference, even if they're often third-party and not, you know, internal development because they just don't have a lot going on in Japan. I don't think Xbox One has even launched there uh, yet. Uh, so wouldn't be surprised if Metal Gear Solid V's new trailer was at Microsoft. It wouldn't be surprised if there was a teaser for uh, Resident Evil uh, at Microsoft. In terms of what that game would be, oh, I really hope it's not a sequel. I do not want to see a continuation of where we're at in the Resident Evil storyline. Just fresh start, people. Like, I'll play another Resident Evil game. You put out another Resident Evil game... I will play another Resident Evil game. I full stop. I'm that's just my curse. I'll play a new Resident Evil. I'll play a new Silent Hill. That's just what that's just what's gonna happen. It's tragic. It's brutal. But it's true. So I really hope the new Resident Evil is just a from the ground up re envisioning of what is a Resident Evil game. I don't expect that Resident Evil is going to go back to its horror roots like fully. It's, I don't expect it to be, you know, a Soma or, or an Amnesia. But I think there's a way of recapturing what was so great and brilliant about 
Resident Evil 1 and 2 specifically. One a little bit more than 2. But both of them had really terrifying moments. And I think there's a way to make a modern, enjoyable action game that is simultaneously terrifying. And I would love to see Capcom try and challenge themselves to be the ones that do that. I guess if I try and think in terms of horror, I'd love to see Sony bring that... uh, What was that? PlayStation Move Horror Camp. Uh, uh, Until Dawn, which is a horror game that Nintendo announced several years ago that was uh, built around the PlayStation Move, and essentially it was a slasher kind of flick uh, out in the woods that used the, the Move controller in some unique ways. And that game just disappeared. But I've asked, and other outlets have asked over the years, like, did that game get canceled? And they said, nope. That game is still being worked on, so one would suspect they have moved Until Dawn onto PlayStation 4. Would love to see that at E3. Um, I'd love to see a new Siren at E3. That seems more likely for Tokyo Game Show. Um, but and you know, when I start thinking about the you know horror is going to be, I think potentially interestingly represented at E3. There's also Alien Isolation, which I'm not probably going to play. I tried to get some of those developers on our live show, didn't didn't quite uh, work out, but. I played, you know, a bit of Alien Isolation at, at GDC, and it's like, ah, I've played enough of this. I don't want to have any other moments in this uh, game spoiled, but we'll see. I might get roped into to playing uh, some more of that. Um, <sighs> Dusik asked a good question, and I think we'll, I think we'll sort of close here. Will, will Sony show some Morpheus stuff? I would be shocked if they didn't acknowledge. Morpheus in some capacity at E3. Do I think they're going to announce Morpheus as a product with a release date or actual games? I don't think so. I think that is far off. I think that is E3 2015. I I do believe that Sony will publish Morpheus in some form, but there is no rush to do so. There's no rush to market right now even if samsung puts out some you know they've been rumored to have a partnership with oculus uh to uh produce a a mobile focused headset where you would like put in your cell phone to act as the screen and then the hardware would interact with the cell phone if that happens sure fine but i mean the real deal is morpheus the real deal is oculus and None of those things are happening, I think, in 2014. It seems increasingly obvious that that is going to be a 2015 thing, which is a little disappointing. Makes me increasingly feel like I just need to order that Oculus HD kit uh, as soon as possible because I really, I haven't touched my Oculus in a while, but the HD kit, I think, would be something that pushed me over the edge to to get into that uh, again. So I think you, you see sort of a nod to Morpheus that they announced it. Maybe they show a demo. But outside of that, yeah, I don't think we're going to see any concrete information about that becoming a product. You know, All indications from GDC, even from people I talked to off the record, were that we don't know what Morpheus is yet. Uh, Sony uh, is obviously serious about it, but in terms of what it's going to become, I think it's still to be determined. Uh, Hazeboy420 points out, uh, that's a great username, by the way, uh, says Project Morpheus is going to be on uh, Jimmy Fallon tonight. So... You know, maybe that's an indication that we will see something else about it. So I'll probably try and watch that clip um, tomorrow. Uh, curious to see what they 
end up showing. But, you know, that's going to be do it for Bombing the Am with Scoops. Uh, this kind of turned into a, a impromptu jar time for everyone. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys are excited about E3, despite the fact that I'm not excited to travel this weekend ahead of E3. Could not be more excited to hang out with the guys, talk about games, get some super exciting guests in there to mix it up. I think it's going to be a great week. Could not be... I've been working on this schedule for weeks now, and to finally see it come into place, to finally see some of the names on there that are going to be on there, a lot of old favorites, a lot of new folks. Um, It's going to be an exciting time. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are going to be there uh, watching, enjoying it. Um, So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, let me know if you enjoyed this sort of solo show. You know, maybe I'll instead of canceling shows where Alex can't show up, maybe do stuff like this more often. I do like doing the jar time stuff, but obviously not everyone gets uh, to watch that. So let's all get on board the E3 hype train, uh, and I will see you guys next week.